0: Hey there, friend, I'm Susan, and this is the Spark Chasers podcast, a series dedicated to the educational changemakers who embrace creativity, seek out challenges, and collaborate on solutions. This is a show for any educator looking to explore the creative side in the classroom, business, and life. So grab a cup of caffeine, your favorite flare pen, and let's chat about what's now and what could be next. Okay, everyone. I have the absolute joy today of speaking with illustrator and activist Danielle Koch. Now, if you aren't familiar with Danielle, you might know her Instagram feed for Oh Happy Danny. Danielle Koch is a 25-year-old illustrator from Atlanta. Yes, she's just 25. And she runs the popular Instagram account, Oh Happy Danny, with over 400,000 followers. Now, she started her account in 2019 to represent Black history through visual arts, and she says that she has been blown away by how her posts are now reaching an audience far beyond Black Americans. Danielle is committed to using art and words to make complex social justice related issues more digestible and easy to understand for people around the world. And I will tell you, in this conversation that you're about to hear, you will be just, I think, put at ease by her infectious. Excitement and joy, um, and it ha- it was just a pleasure to talk with her. I don't think I stopped smiling once, even when we talked about difficult situations, difficult conversations. And I think that is the magic of Danny. She brings to the table this level of ease to have challenging conversations that we need to have, but does through, so through an artistic lens. So I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. And as always, please let us know your feedback. Come on over to artsintegration.com forward slash spark and leave us a note, send us a message about how you're feeling about this and what questions you might have for me or for Danny after we're done with this episode. So here is Danny Koch. All right. Well, hello, Danny. Thank you so much for being on the
1: podcast with me today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if anybody is not familiar with your work, would you mind just kind of giving us an introduction
1: about you and your work? Just a just a little history. Sure. So my name is Danielle Koch. I go by Danny sometimes, and I am an artist and advocate, I like to say. I tend to take complex ideas and make them more digestible and easier to understand through illustrated infographics or simple illustrated pieces of art. This mostly got started on Instagram within the past year and a half, around January of 2020, before uh, Black Lives Matter took center stage again, I was using art to make the anti-racism conversation a little more easy to approach for the everyday person. And after summer of 2020 happened, all of the art took off. And now across platforms, I'm able to connect with about half a million people talking about empathy and anti-racism and what diversity means and really leaning into those tough conversations through art. And it's been really, really exciting.
0: (laughs) That is fantastic. I love that. So have you always always drawn, like, have you always illustrated or is this something you've just kind of got into recently?
1: Yes. So I have always been pretty creative. I, my parents, every time I would ask for an art supply or a new hobby I want to start, they would just get it. They would just do it because they're like, she just wants to do everything. Let's just give her everything. So I spent a lot of time painting. I would sketch when I was in school. When I got to middle school, I took an art class and I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be it. But unfortunately, I had an art teacher who assumed that I was always tracing. And so she would always give me like low marks. And so, yeah, it, it discouraged me from actually pursuing art in a full capacity. So I kind of like tried out other things like business and stuff, but I still was creative as a hobby. And so even in high school, I would make gift baskets and I would paint terracotta pots and sell them. I was always also a little entrepreneur too. So well, I would mow your lawn. You got the hustle, right? The hustle. <laughs> That's yeah. Right. I so, was always doing that.
0: What made that, what do you think made that teacher assume that you were tracing?
1: Yeah, you know, I can't actually fault her too much, but the thing is, every Friday we would have a free drawing exercise. And so throughout the week, you are at home with a piece of paper she gives you and you draw anything you want. And on Friday morning, you bring it in and she will collect and grade. So it's a nice, a nice, fun, free art, you can draw anything. So I love, love, love Disney. I've yeah. always loved Disney. And so I had the most massive collection of Disney VHS tapes. Mm. And so, you know, a VHS tape is not super big. And the right. paper she gave us was big. And so I was like, okay, I, I, pr- I would prop the VHS up. I've never gotten to tell the story, this is so fun. <laughs> I, would, I would prop the VHS cover up and then I would take my big piece of paper and I would just draw what I saw. So I would draw the fox and the hound and I'd bring it in and she'd be like, she'd write on my paper, it'd be like B minus, make sure you're not tracing. Like she would write on my paper, make sure you're not tracing. She never asked me, she never called me in, never had a meeting. Just every Friday, she would leave a mark on my paper saying, Make sure you're not tracing. And I, I don't know why I didn't think to my head, like, maybe I should go tell her that I'm not tracing. I think I internalized it and was like, okay, let me make sure that. I add a couple more lines around the drawing to make sure she knows I'm not tracing. And I guess that just made it look like I was tracing even more. You know, (laughs) I don't, I never went to her and tried to figure it out. I just kind of Mm -hmm. internalized it and took it personally and uh, decided just to not pursue that direction. But I had other amazing teachers like my chorus teacher who absolutely pushed me to chase all dreams. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I've been very blessed to have people who did support me in my education for other things
0: which is which is awesome it's yeah it's it goes to show you the impact of teachers and what our assumptions as teachers can do for children and I'm a huge advocate of setting the bar high for kids because mm-hmm. I think that they can reach it we just have to we just have to know and have confidence that they can right right and so um I think having both your a choral teacher who'd had those high expectations for you that you loved then right mm-hmm. and then um, this unfortunate story where they made the assumption that you were tracing, which just it boggles my mind, it's that there was- I wish she would have asked me. <laughs> right, exactly, just have the conversation, right? So, yeah. um, and I think what you share, especially on your social feeds with your illustrations, it helps to guide those conversations for teachers who may not even realize that they have that bias, right? Mm-hmm. That they're looking through a lens of maybe they're making assumptions that they shouldn't make. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about artivism. Can you tell, can you tell us what artivism means to you and how that has influenced
1: what you are producing? Yeah, absolutely. So I I say often that I I didn't discover, like I didn't create the word artivism, as you know, (laughs) I came across it within this past year. And my definition of it is, I like to say that often art and activism are pitted against each other. People say, oh, art is meant to invoke emotion. It's like a, feelings type of thing. And activism is meant to encourage action. And the two seem like they're opposites, but when you combine them, you have a very powerful tool because you're able to use the power of art and activism to encourage action by invoking emotion. You're playing on both parts of the human mind and soul. And so I've seen it work wonders over the past year from other artists, artists other than myself. And then even in the work that I've been able to create because when I first put out an illustration, the first reaction of someone is not like, oh, I'm about to learn something. It's, oh, that's pretty. That's nostalgic. That color palette makes me feel safe. Or that illustration of a person reminds me of my childhood. It takes somebody back. And so their first reaction is not uh, to fight it. It's to see what it's all about. And then when someone actually engages with it, they see, oh, this is talking about something that I probably otherwise would not have looked into myself. And so I've seen the power of it in breaking down barriers that are often present when we're talking about things like race or equity or anti-racism. And I think it's been super powerful to watch how, as those barriers break down, people open up and say, wow, okay, this is a conversation that I can be a part of and I do have a part to play in the larger story. Mm -hmm.
0: So I, I love to hear about the process of artists and how they go about creating. So when you're, you just talked about selecting a color palette or considering the overall feel of the piece as a way to invite people in to have a conversation about it. So when you are creating a piece, um, how much of you is in there and then how much of, is it, are, are you thinking about, um, how do you, how do I craft this so that it does invite others in as
1: well? Mm, that's a lovely question. So my process, people are often surprised to find out that it's about 85% research. Mm-hmm. I don't draw until like that last 10, 15%. And I'm sure there's other percents of things worked in there, but <laughs> overall it's 85% research. drawing, and I do that because the subject matter of my work is so important to get right the first time. (laughs) It's it's just too much harm is at stake for me to just flippantly post an infographic to all these people to see and spread misinformation or spread harm, so I, I take a lot of time researching, and then art is my current medium. I would not necessarily say that I always thought I was going to do art and art specifically the way I'm doing it now is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I think it's a current medium that's working for me right now Mm -hmm. as a tool. And so right now I channel that into drawing an infographic and I lean into the the simplicity of it. I'm not Picasso, you know, but I lean into the simplicity of flat illustration, simple color palettes, because the concept again is simple, uh, making complex ideas more digestible and easier to understand. And so... Yeah, that's kind of how I approach it. I will, I will research, I will narrow down, I will tie it to a real world analogy or metaphor or a very literal translation, I'm very, very literal. And I will make sure that the art itself connects something real in the world to this ideology that may otherwise seem a bit confusing at first. Yeah, yeah. so like
0: I, I always think of creativity, I always say it's the fingerprint of the human spirit. It's the way that we can make sense of the world around us, right? And so mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that I love about the work that you do is that you are helping people make sense of a very chaotic and sometimes very misunderstood world. Mm-hmm. Um, when you share a post, so I, I'm, I'm curious, and this may be off topic, but I'm just curious, I'm going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you share something, do you most look forward to the conversations that occur afterwards like are you on there going oh my gosh how many what are the conversations and and what are they talking about and how is this maybe changing folks or are you excited about how people are receiving the work or how what is your reaction and and um, what conversations if, the, if you are excited about the conversations which I think you are um, what conversations mean the most to you
1: yeah I love that I When I create a piece, a lot of the time, it's helping me personally process through something. And so when I do get to share it, I'm always excited to see how it's received in terms of what connections people are making to the work. One thing that I try to do, and it's partially strategy, but partially just something that I think is most helpful, is if I'm talking about a specific issue, I'll talk about that in the caption, but in the art itself, I'll try to be as general as possible while still speaking to the heart of the issue. Mm -hmm. And by doing that, people are able to see a piece and say, oh, that really makes me think of this in my life, this whole situation that you weren't even talking about, but the piece made me think of this. For example, I have one that's called, um, that says it shouldn't have to happen to you for it to matter to you. And I was talking about racism and in the caption, I made that clear. But other people have been able to use that as a banner for the causes that they care about. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, this shouldn't have to happen to you for it to matter to you. And I love how it can get so personal. And people in the comments, they often tell how it gets personal. And on the posts where I'm even more transparent, like I, I was very transparent in a post even yesterday. And to see that I'm not alone is also really, really helpful as people talk through things. And everyone is just so kind and so respectful all the time, which makes me so, so happy. I do have comment controls on my Instagram because, you know, folks be crazy. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But for the people who are there and are open and kind, I receive the most incredible encouragement. And that really helps to keep me going when this stuff gets hard. I was
0: going to say, because you are also working with conversations that particularly now, but have always been difficult conversations, things that we've needed to have the courage to approach. Um, And so I can only imagine that um, there might be a little bit of trepidation or fear as to how it might be received. It's so wonderful to hear that people are so kind. And I think that's that's a, a good part of the human spirit, right? Like, that's gonna feel good.
1: Yeah, it reminds me that there's hope. Yeah. If people have a posture to at least say, I don't know, but I'm willing to figure it out, that's fan, that's all I want because there's hope there. So yeah, I definitely agree. Absolutely. Um
0: so kind of pivoting off of this idea of social media or social media, how do you feel that that plays a role in activism? And as a second part of that, how did you deal with the sudden kind of like onslaught of followers that you got when everything took off for you? Because that can can be crazy.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I definitely believe that there was a time where we used to say, oh, it's just social media. It's not real life. It's just social media. It's not making a difference. And those times are now behind us. And I think that that's super exciting and scary (laughs) to see how social media has evolved so much so that global movements take Mm -hmm. off online and real impact is seen in the real world because of that. I've seen that in the responses of my own community as they engage with my work and I've seen it globally as other movements even today have their place in social media. So I think it's a very, very powerful tool and I also think it's scary because social media seems to have taken on its own consciousness. In and of itself, it seems like it's alive and breathing and changing all the time. And if you're not careful, it's a monster that can absolutely consume you. So I take very regular rhythms of rest and time away from social media. So I am not engulfed by it. And I think that's very, very important. Mm -hmm. And to answer to your second question, When this first happened, I couldn't, I did not know what was going on. It's so funny In, in Black History Month of 2020 is when I was like, let me take this art thing seriously and see if people are willing to engage with conversations related to Black lives, if it's pretty. And so the answer was yes, because I started out with about 700 followers in February, ended with around 10K. And so I was like, wow, okay, you guys are listening. And then obviously that was absolutely magnified once we started discussing and witnessing the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery and people were not knowing what to do or how to start the conversation but they saw this art that this girl has been making for the past couple months it seems to touch on the issues that I need to learn more about let me share it all at the same time and so in one week I saw over 300,000 new followers and I couldn't believe it I I took screenshots of this analytics because I was like no one's ever going to believe this (laughs) absolutely wild. Instagram reached out and they were like, can you explain to us what is going on with you? Yes. They were like, we've never seen this. So, and I mean, at that time, I wasn't the only person who got this massive following It was happening to a lot of other people. And so I think Instagram themselves were realizing the power that their own platform held in a time where we were all at home and online. So wild.
0: (laughs) Wow. Well, and I'm so glad to hear that you also take regular rest and reflect and reflection because, you know, we work with teachers all the time and this is when we're recording, this is headed into summer. Mm -hmm. And so, um, this is the time when, you know, teachers are just like crawling to the finish line to just get me there. Yes, yes. (laughs) And you know, if they hear one more time, like rest is coming, but I think you're right. Is that it's, it's not enough to just do it once or twice. You have to build it in regularly. Otherwise your sanity is just, it's gone. Absolutely. <laughs> you
1: know? absolutely. Um, and I love that your audience is teachers and I'm sure we'll, we'll get, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but teachers in my space specifically have been the most helpful, the most driving, especially when it comes to products, because teachers are, have been, and are currently on the front lines of this war against racism for yeah. students and kids. Parents, of course, and teachers, of course, in ways that are different. Even now we see laws getting passed that are going to make teachers' lives a little more difficult, yeah. as I'm sure you all have been discussing. But yeah, I just want to take a moment to say teachers have been monumental. And last year we did a big initiative to support teachers and we're going to do one again this year because I'm just so impacted by the way they care.
0: They yeah. don't care so much. So I'm they grateful. Do. they yeah. do. And it's not... What I love about our audience of teachers is that they are constantly learning. They Mm -hmm. are modeling for our children what we want them to know and that you're never done. You're always learning. You're always improving and that Failure isn't an end; it's a beginning to to get up and try again and to learn again. And so, that's awesome. So, in terms of your of of how teachers have been helpful for you, you said that they were helpful with your uh, with products and kind of giving you feedback on that kind of stuff. Yes, tell me a little
1: bit more about that. Yes. So basically, last year I had a couple of designs that that I felt like were performing the most, and I wanted to do posters for teachers, but I felt as though teachers are always having to pay for important school supplies out of their own pockets often. And so I would make some designs and get messages like, I would love if this was a poster. I would love to show my kids this. And I even have stories of one particular design, the worthy design with the different arms. How teachers said, I have students coming up to this poster and pointing at arms and saying, that's me. That shook me. I was like, oh my gosh, the future. And so- I, I, those based on feedback like that, I would turn certain designs into posters. And then uh, in the fall-ish of that time, we did a huge poster giveaway where we raised about ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars and sent out free posters to hundreds of teachers. Mm-hmm. And even today, I'm uh, seeing those photos of those posters in those classrooms. Just means a lot to me. And I know that we're gonna have to get a little sneakier with how we empower students with anti-racist efforts. But I'm in it for the long haul and helping teachers navigate and figure what that looks like from an art perspective, at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, this year we're definitely, I haven't talked about this with anybody yet. So you're the first to hear. Mm-hmm. We're doing a whole, um, we're gonna do personalized boxes of art and stickers and mini prints that teachers can purchase or have their school purchase on their We mm-hmm. uh not only decorate their classroom but empower their students with things that they can keep. And so uh, based on how that works and how we, the feedback that we continue to get from teachers, we're gonna sort that out to make sense and really, once again, try to serve this community and make it a bit easier.
0: <laughs> uh, Danny, I don't know that you know how important that is um, because there's, there were s- some statistics released just today, I think, on um, the fact that many children never see a teacher, that looks like them in a classroom.
1: Mm. I
0: think in uh, the the statistics today that I read were that there were places in the South where 40% of the schools do not have a single black educator in them. Wow. In Maryland, we were at, I think 20%. And so if a child never sees someone who, looks like them or who could be in that position of somebody who is like a teacher who has that kind of um, role in their lives, it's difficult for them to then imagine themselves that way. So what you're doing by offering those things so that children see themselves reflected in their own classrooms is so important. So thank you for that. I'm just, I'm in awe of that. Thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad to know that that's definitely still a felt need and that oh. teachers aren't just looking past that, but are internalizing the importance of it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm curious, is was there a person who um, helped you find your voice or creativity? Um, and if so, who were they?
1: Hmm. You know, I, I said this earlier, but I have to give that credit to my parents hmm. for always saying yes to my wild ideas. <laughs> they were so supportive. All throughout my life, and so I, I talked about in school how I would want to paint terracotta mods and start basket companies, and they were like, "All right, let's go to the dollar store and get all your stuff. Let's go to Michaels. Let's." They were just there and always empowering and encouraging me to just do the thing. And as immigrants, first generation immigrants, uh, my parents were born and raised in Jamaica.
0: Oh, okay.
1: It's it's very important for parents who are immigrants to instill into their children like you need to live the american dream you need to go to this college have this career and make roots here and while they do believe that and they definitely wanted me and my brother to go to college there was never the assumption that i had to pursue one linear future they were always like you do what's on your heart we are here to support that and without that I could not be doing this. How could they have ever imagined? And so even when this all first popped off, my mother was never surprised. Mm. And I think that goes to show that she always had that belief in me because she set me up to do whatever I wanted to do. And she said, she's always seen it in me. So she's always known. Like things will blow her mind, obviously like, (laughs) but she's just like all this stuff we knew, we knew. And yeah, very grateful for supportive parents.
0: That's amazing.
1: and from
0: somebody who also has very supportive parents and I feel blessed and I'm sure you do as well because that's not always the story, but when it is your story, it's it gives you wings like nothing else, right?
1: Right, absolutely. Yeah. And it makes you wanna do your best for them
0: as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so you touched on this a little bit at the very beginning. You talked about how this medium is working for you right now. Um, where do you see yourself though, going maybe
1: in the future? Yes. A wild question for me to answer because so much has happened in about yeah. a year. I know. It's like that five-year question. What's your five-year vision? Oh, man. Right? Oh knows? <laughs> Absolutely. I Definitely think I want to get into creating more dynamic content, whether it's getting into video resources or tangible physical resources. I definitely want to start making, taking my content offline in a sense and really equipping people in homes and schools and wherever to have these conversations daily, whether it's through more art or like I said, more resources, or one day I'd love to do a fun event like I'd love to just have a love centered racial justice fueled event that people come to and have fun and learn and bring other people and everyone falls in love with justice and it's just like I have dreams there's no blueprint for what I'm doing currently you know every day it's like I wonder if this will work and if it does I write that down (laughs) and we just
0: we that's exactly playing. what we did. That's exactly yeah. what we did with arts integration. So it's very similar. Like, yeah. if that's where, let's see what works, what people respond
1: to and then go in that direction. It's right. Like organic, right? Yes. And it makes you feel so excited when something does work and connect because you are bringing something new that hasn't been done before and changing lives in the process. So shout out to y'all. <laughs> well,
0: and to you awesome. as well. <laughs> Pioneer women, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Pioneer women. Um, so before we close up, I there's a question I always ask everybody. Um, what do you think is the most important thing that educators can walk away with from this conversation from this year?
1: Mm, yes. Well, I guess from this conversation, and you mentioned it when I told my story in school, I think teachers, educators have a unique opportunity to encourage students in very different ways to pursue what's on their heart and to be an encouragement to them, especially as they navigate and explore, maybe I wanna be an artist, maybe I wanna be a scientist, like maybe I want to do something where I don't see a lot of representation in. I think equipping and empowering these students to chase their dream without limits is something that's super, super important. And even with this past year, we've seen, I like to say that 2020 had took the world and kind of turned it on its axis a little bit more. And we are all now more bent towards justice as a society. We have a new posture. And so I think that there's no going back at this point. The conversations will continue to be hard and make it harder and that shouldn't discourage or scare anyone, but rather it should be seen as a beautiful opportunity to say, how can I love a student, a coworker, anybody through the lens of seeing them in their fullness and answering the question in light of how you were created, how can I best serve you today? Mm -hmm. I think that's a beautiful opportunity that we can walk into every day. And so I hope that that's an encouragement to anyone listening. Thank you so
0: much, Danny. This is a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate it.
1: Yes, I love talking to you. Thank you. All
0: right. See so you at our conference in Oh, yeah. In
1: Yay.
0: See ya. All right. Well, check that off your list, my friend. You just finished another episode of the Spark Chasers podcast. If you want more, head over to artsintegration.com forward slash Chasers for show notes, a space to tell me what you thought of today's show, and links to what we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. This helps others find the show so we can all grow and learn together. Can't wait to get together again soon.